Hello and welcome to Strange Stuff. My name is Andy. And uh, I'm Mark. Today we're going to talk about the very strange case of Mr. Wilson. The ex-Prime Minister of the UK. He's very well likely related, but it's actually not the same guy. There's a bit of a, a discrepancy in their ages. Wilson was born in 1898, the one we're talking about. Although, oh, right. Harold Wilson probably wasn't a million miles off that. No, you're right, actually. Yeah, could have been, could have been. He died so, in 1934, and the reason for his death we'll come to later. What did he do with his life? Well, he was an eccentric Englishman. As far as his job, I've got very, very sketchy notes. Bear in mind, I don't make a fortune from this, so I'm not going to let little things like research and facts get in the way of a good story. I'm I'm trying to keep my notes to a minimum uh, so that we've got plenty of ad-libbing in between. uh, He was was guilty of one of the strangest attempts uh, to climb Mount Everest. Uh, What do you mean? That's not a crime. We'll see. He decided to climb Mount Everest and the plan was that he would fly to the mountain and climb the mountain despite knowing nothing about mountaineering or indeed flying. Okay, eccentric as to describe him sounds a little kind. I think he's... (laughs) I think he was probably paralytic drunk when he came up with this idea. I mean, I've done some stupid stuff in my time. But flying a a aeroplane to Mount Everest and then climbing is absolutely out of the question. Sorry, when was this? Yeah, on May the 22nd, 1934. Oh, I see. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He was suffering from a long-term illness, and we're going we're gonna to say it was tuberculosis because there is no actual... Diagnosis. ...or evidence. Uh, he formed a plan to fly to Tibet, and this is the genius part, crash the plane on the mountain's upper slopes, and then climb the remainder to the summit. Nothing wrong with that. Now, this is a man who I could go for a beer with. He's got everything figured out absolutely right. If you bear in mind, in the 20s, yeah, in the 20s, early 30s, the, the most popular plane of the time would be the Gypsy Moth biplane. It's made of canvas, paper and balsa wood. You could crash that anywhere. Uh, yeah, a slight problem with the plan. Normally in mountaineering, you want to come down as well as go up. So having crashed the plane into the side of the mountain, how was he going to get down? Oh, the devil's in the detail. Just, you know, it's people <laughs> like you that hold back progress. You're never happy. <laughs> I mean, if it right, wasn't so, if it wasn't for people like you, Jeff Bezos would still be in space. Well, a good thing too, actually. <laughs> oh, I, I was actually quite surprised. He he beat Richard Branson, didn't he? He went to sixty six miles, and I was right. It was miles, not kilometers. He went to sixty six miles because yes. Branson only did fifty five. Yes, he? exactly. Uh huh. Exactly. And I was right. It is miles because if he went to sixty six kilometers, that would have been. Not into space. Exactly. It would have been about 50,000 feet. (laughs) It would have been rubbish. 
So yeah, the edge of space, as far as schoolboys when I was at school was, and you were concerned, was eighty miles, and these guys still haven't cracked it. In fact, the old lady, the eighty-year-old lady who was on his rocket, who incidentally was a trained astronaut from fifty years ago, whose mission was cancelled because not a man, complained that she couldn't see the Earth. She could see the curvature, and she could see the blackness of space, but she could not see. The Earth, the entire window. Yeah. yeah, all right. They weren't high enough. Simple as that. But I mean, uh, kudos. He actually went up on a rocket shaped like a giant, <laughs> and it was. I mean, I don't know if you saw it. I did actually. It was like an enormous. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, the old lady was he- the old lady was sat atop the enormous. And she was propelled a lot higher than Richard Branson and actually went through G-Force because they were on a rocket, unlike Branson, who was on a little hang glider. Well, as I say, I, I would be happy if he stayed there in space. Maybe that would be his next quest. Well, Make I a wa- little space station where he can spend the rest of his years. Well, two of them have gone up and come back, so that means Elon Musk has got to blow up. Law of <laughs> averages. Mean, you mean third time lucky? Law, law of no. averages. There's no way three of them can come back. <laughs> Well, what's strange is Elon Musk was uh, so far ahead of the other two in terms of actually earning money and revenue off his uh, space adventures, and he hasn't been into space. Yeah, but I mean, when you say earning money and revenue, what is well, he actually, I mean, how? Well, what do you mean? NASA are paying him uh, for his uh, rocket uh, launches and such like. No, 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 he's earning money. I'm not saying he's broken even, far from it, but he, he actually has a revenue stream which the other two, well, but maybe I mean, if they start I don't know if you've ever Googled Rocket X Blue. or something. Oh, no, SpaceX. SpaceX. That's, uh, Elon Musk's. If, yeah. you, if you Google SpaceX and, and sort of add the words unsuccessful launches, you'll see an amazing amount of exploding rockets. Uh, yeah, well, nearly all of them. Yeah. It's like, it's like you would really, you've got more chance of winning the lottery than returning safely from an Elon Musk space cruise. Yeah, but no, I mean, uh, I don't want to get technical, but um, they're actually the, uh, the launch rockets. There's no one in them. Yeah, I know, I know there's no one in them, but the fact that they're exploding is a bit disconcerting if you're going to be in them the next time. <laughs> anyway, getting back to this fellow who's not Harold Wilson, but is called Wilson... How right. far did he get? Was he in a in a tiger moth? Okay, well then he actually did learn to fly in a gypsy moth plane. Gypsy moth, which not he tiger named. Moth. Well, tiger moth is still a, a, a legitimate aircraft name. Is it? Yep, absolutely. And gypsy moth is as well. Yep, both of them. Right. Uh, yeah. It. So he learned to fly in a gypsy moth plane, which he named two words: ever rest. Right. But rest began with a W, so it wasn't like rest forever. It was ever. Rest, as in rest from the grips of someone. No, that's not a word. Yeah, it is. Rest power from the people who have it. You can Google that quite happily. I'll I'll stake my reputation as a gentleman. But the word is rest. W-R-E-S-T. Yes. Okay, go for it. Yep, you Google away. And anyway, he spent five weeks hiking around Britain for practice. So he was in training up to a point. But uh, sorry, so he learned to fly, but he still hadn't done any mountaineering. No, but he spent five weeks hiking around Britain. Are you deaf? Yeah, but that's not mountaineering, is it? But it's, I mean, a good walk. In England? A good walk. <laughs> 
Isn't is it Primrose Hill? No. What's the highest That's mountain? In is, it Hams- is it Parliament Hill? Highgate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't remember the uh, highest mountain in England. I think it's Ben Nevis. That sounds like it's in Scotland. Well, it's in the UK. Okay, go for it. So that was five weeks of hiking. He learned to fly. He's got himself an aeroplane. Actually, in those days, to even get to Tibet is quite an achievement. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It took him two weeks to fly to India. And he spent the, we- he spent the winter in the best possible place in India, Darjeeling, which is where you obviously get the best cup of tea. White then, with two sugars. Yes. Uh, and he spent that winter planning his expedition. Now, Wilson, <laughs> with... No climbing equipment, <laughs> because he was winging the whole thing. Uh, he approached up the, the Rongbuk Glacier, which would mean something to anyone who's ever climbed Everest, but means f*** all to me. He got lost, and the cross, he was crossing difficult terrain, so he, he aborted that attempt. And then on the 22nd of May, 1934, he tried to climb to the North Col, which is another Everest term, which you'll never understand, and neither will I, but he failed an ice wall. The uh, final attempt on May the 31st, 1934 still, his last diary entry read, off again, gorgeous day, and his body was found in 1935 in snow, surrounded by his blown apart tent. So sorry, I can't. Where did the where did the aeroplane come into the story? Well, he did act. He he did fly he did fly the plane into the mountain, but obviously not very high. So there was still a bit of climbing to do. Oh yeah, I mean you can't just crash at the top of Mount Everest, especially in a in a biplane. I mean it's how what is it seven seven kilometers high nine. 10, Mount 12? Everest, something yeah. like that. Those gypsy moths, they couldn't fly that high. They're like a kite. They would be torn apart. So basically, this story is relating to a glorified suicide attempt. Well, going no, out. it's a, it's a, it's related to the fantastic adventuring discovery spirit of the great British man in the 1920s. Yeah, and look 30s. where it ended up, a mess. Well, you don't know that. On the side that. of a mountain. Don't know that. His tent was blown apart. He might have survived, become an abominable snowman and still be haunting people to this day. When you say blown apart, you're not talking about explosives, but the weather got to it. Well, I'm... Uh, You've obviously never been up Everest like what I have. Um, It gets a bit rough up there. Anyway, before we continue this fascinating story, we have to do this. And now, a word from our sponsors. Okay, now we can carry on. (laughs) Yes, because we don't have any sponsors. Yeah, but just in case, you never know. You can't can't just steam ahead in the full-on hope that one day someone will sponsor you. You've got to make people come out, grab you by the boobies. If this was uh, something on video, at least you could have a bottle of wine in front of the camera that you're drinking while we're doing it. That's true. That's true. Maybe we need to rethink this whole idea and go, what's a a video blog? Vlog. A vlog. A vlog. Yes. Anyway, the story isn't ended. Well, it sounds like it ended with him dead on the side of a mountain. Oh, yes. His body was found in 1935. But the last twist, and it's not really the last twist because there's more twists, but but it appears, (laughs) I don't know why this was brought up, but it seems to be relevant. It appears he was a cross-dresser who had worked in a ladies' dress shop in New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) It's just... Nonsense. No, it's not. It's fact. <laughs> he was he was supposedly found wearing women's underwears 
and had women's clothes in his pack. Now, I, I'm sort of hoping it wasn't a summer dress and a pair of slingbacks. So he was planning on being the first... He was ahead of his time. I mean, today he would be held as a hero. Well... Would he not? Uh, maybe. I don't know if he was as head of his time. That was when it all started, cross-dressing. What, so you're, and so- you're saying he started it? No, not at all. I'm saying that's when it became popular, other than in the Roman times, of course. And the Egyptian times. Yeah, but come on, come on, come on. They only wore dresses because they didn't know how to make trousers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one had discovered the inside leg at that stage. The question is, is it pertinent to the story that he was a cross-dresser? Absolutely not, but it's a fucking great fact. <laughs> Bit late, but there you go. <laughs> So he was found with women's clothing in his backpack. And wearing women's underwears. And then what happened? A 1960 Chinese expedition added fuel to the story by finding a woman's dress shoe at 21,000 feet. It seems Mr. Wilson wasn't dressed quite properly for the conditions. Now, by a dress shoe, I'm assuming it's a stiletto. Well... It's just beyond bizarre, I have to say. I really wish there was a photograph that we could stick up on the Instagram to go along with this. Well, we could just find any old photograph in black and white. No one would know whether it was actually the fellow or not. Yeah, but now you've said that, I can't really do that, can I? Because it's going to be a bit obvious. Well, I don't know how many people would be offended by cross-dressing Everest mountaineering attempts well the thing is most of what we know about wilson's activities on the mountain itself come from his diary which was actually recovered the following year and it's actually now stored in the alpine club archives and we learn from his diary that wilson completely inexperienced in glacier travel (laughs) wilson found the trek up with the wrong book glacier extremely difficult and constantly lost his bearing and had to retrace his steps and he showed his lack of experience when he found a pair of crampons at an old camp which would have helped him tremendously but he threw them away yeah Uh, i'm surprised this fellow got as far as tibet because he doesn't sound like the sharpest tool in the in the box i i think he sounds like he might have gone to your school (laughs) (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) He's obviously had the benefit of a nanny. He's never had to look after himself. He just made up an idea in his head and thought, I can do this. Do we know how old he was, by the way? Oh, we could work it out. 1898 to... Well, he, oh, was, he was almost 40. He was 36. He was almost right. 40 when he died. All right, yeah. And who was the first person to climb Everest? Oh, well, that's... I mean, Sherpa Tensing is the one that claims... No, it's not. He was second. No, Sherpa Tensing was... Uh, what, do you think Edmund Hillary... Would would actually go first when he's got a perfectly good... It wasn't it Hillary. Hillary was the man. No, he was the first Englishman. Sherpa Tensing was absolutely the first person to top Everest. All right. Go ahead and Google. By the way, did you finish your last Google about the word rest? I will accept your apology. (laughs) (laughs) The first first person on Mount Everest, that's got to be it. Uh, No. Here we go, Sir Edmund Hillary. Thank you. No, sorry, the first person on the summit. Uh, well, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with Sherpa Tensing. Besides which, how do you think they found their way up there? Uh, the Sherpa showed them. And how so did the Sherpa know the way? Because he'd been there before. So it's uh, Tensing Norgay was his name actually. Uh, was he? Yeah. No, I don't know. But that was in 1919. So this fellow was 20 years after that. 
16 years after that. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So someone had done it before. He hadn't decided to be the first person. No, but he fancied, he fancied a pop at it. He would have been the first cross-dresser. He would have. Everest. And I think the reason he threw those crampons away was because they didn't fit on his particularly Stilettos. high five-inch heel. Oh. And after five days and in, in worsening weather, he was still two miles short of Rutledge's camp three which is below the north coal i could have researched where exactly on the mountain north coal is but that would have required work (laughs) research isn't one of my strong suits as you know clearly (laughs) he wrote in his diary it's the weather that's beaten me what damned bad luck and then he began a grueling four-day retreat back down the glacier now if it took him four days to get back down he must have been fairly high up uh, I mean, yeah, it's down. In the easy bits, you could just roll, couldn't you? Or just slide on your ass. Could f- yours. Sorry, I needed to bleep my ass. I did it again. All right, so uh, so he descended for four days. He's still alive. He arrives back at the monastery at the base, exhausted, snow blind, and in great pain from his war wounds, which we don't know anything about, and also had a badly twisted ankle. Now, it took 18 days for Wilson to recover from this ordeal, and yet he decided to set forth again on the 12th of May, this time taking two Sherpas, Tiwand and Rinzing, with him. Now, with the Sherpas' knowledge of the glacier, they made quicker progress, and in three days they reached Camp 3 near the base of the slopes below the North Col. Confined to camp for several days by bad weather, Wilson considered possible routes by which he could climb the icy slopes above, and he made a telling comment in his diary, and it was this. Not taking shortcut to Camp 5, as at first intended, as should have to cut my own road up the ice, and that's no good when there is already a hand rope and steps if they are still there to camp for i had to work out my roman numerals there sorry uh yeah i thought he was already dead no this is this is from his diary oh i see remember we found the diary oh yeah sorry Tried yeah, to keep up. yes yeah, just gonna yeah. confuse our listener i'm pretty confused and i'm the one actually <laughs> participating in the podcast right yes so so he's got a couple of sherpas he's reached camp four no, he's he's actually heading for Camp 4. Uh, he, he reached Camp 3, and there is a shortcut to Camp 5, but he's going for the uh, route to Camp 4 because there is already a hand rope and steps. So there it is. Anyway, he never made it. He died. Uh, I have no idea what happened to the Sherpas that were with him. I'm guessing <laughs> they, probably, they probably made a sandwich out of him and had a casual stroll back down. Talking about the English idiot all the way. Well, he must um, have been quite wealthy, this fellow. He must have made a few quid. Yeah, this is the problem. I mean, again, due to my research skills and commitments, this is this is minimal. And and I want to try and keep it that way. It's entertainment <laughs> purposes. Well, I mean, it is factual. Um, it's thin. I would describe it as thin. Yeah, <laughs> okay. The, the, the script is somewhat thin. Unlike your nanny. <laughs> Uh, in 2003, Thomas Noy, you know who he is. No. Me neither. Research again, you see. Thomas Noy proposed that Morris Wilson might actually have reached the summit of Everest and died on his descent. Now, the main evidence in support of this is... It comes from an interview Noy conducted with the Tibetan climber Gombu. You know him. Yes. Who reached the summit with the Chinese expedition of 1960. Now, Gombu recalled having found the remains of an old tent at 8,500 metres. Now, if true, this would be higher than any of the camps established by the previous British expeditions. And Noy suggests it must have been put there by Wilson. 
showing that he reached a much higher point than previously believed. Noyes' theory did not find widespread support in the mountaineering community and there's much scepticism that an inexperienced amateur like Wilson in a summer dress could have climbed the mountain unassisted. And even Chris Bonington has said, I think you can say with absolute certainty that he would have no bloody chance whatsoever. How do you know what Chris Bonington I actually, like? I actually do. And do you know why? When I was in the Boy Scouts, Chris Bonington, <laughs> seriously, Chris Bonington lived in Camden. And when I was in the Boy Scouts, we were taken to Chris Bonington's house. I don't believe we were interfered with but we were shown slideshows of antarctica and various other expeditions that he'd been on and we did that in his living room when i was about i don't know eight nine years old actually on reflection that might well have been serrano fines but he's counting well what they needed to find was that missing dress shoe if they'd found another stiletto yeah but they should have got prince fucking charming on the job shouldn't they (laughs) right so he didn't make it he died Yes, but I mean, what a what a great chap! British ingenuity and all that. Climbing, um, there's a climbing historian called Yuken Himib, and also Wilson's biographer Peter Meir, Peter Meir Husing, obviously both English, have both suggested that Gombu was mistaken about the altitude of the tent and pointed out that his account hasn't been borne out by any other member of the 1960 Chinese expedition. It's also been suggested that if the tent at 8,500 metres did exist, it might have been a relic of the rumoured Soviet expedition of 1952. Although the mere existence of that Soviet expedition is in itself an uncertainty. So, sorry, just to go back to, are you telling me that someone actually wrote a biography of this fellow Morris Wilson? Yes. Well, sort of basic research would require reading of said biography oh, surely. for god's sakes you expect me to read a book on everyone we're going to talk about in this podcast well <laughs> that's the idea oh i do all the work and what what do you do well, what do you mean i'm i'm here for the banter oh for I the my comical board. comical element you're definitely the colonical element so is that it or is there more to this story Nope, we've got 27 minutes, which is absolutely perfect. So that brings us to the end of the strange case of Mr. Wilson, the crazy man who tried to climb Everest. Now, with a plane. With a plane, yeah. I'm, the, the original idea was pretty bloody clever. Fly a plane halfway up the mountain, then run up the rest. Yes. Think of the effort saved. Um, well, bearing in mind that most people who go, go up, uh, Mount Everest have a team of about 20 Sherpas, donkeys and God knows what else. How much stuff can you fit in a gypsy moth? You can fit about 20 kilos. Well, no wonder he didn't have any crampons. He didn't have any room for any in his baggage. That's basically me nuts. <laughs> that's probably all he had room for. <laughs> but uh, in the interest of research and science, can you Google now how many people a year die on Everest? Three. No, it's more than that. Uh, well, what's interesting is how many people a year actually attempt the ascent. I know, it's it's, there's like actually a, there's a year-long queue just to get to the base camp. You can't just go to Everest and start climbing. You have to book a time and a date long into the future. Oh, that's sad. How many bodies are there on Everest? Oh, many, many. No, that's not a number. Okay, I would go into the hundreds. How many hundreds? 300 and something. Good guess. 375. 305. 305. Yeah, well, 
I was close enough. That's the only the ones they've found. Bear in mind That's they haven't found they haven't found Wilson's body, so Well yes they have. No, I they haven't said they had. Well, okay, they might have found his body. Did they find his body or did they find his diary? <laughs> I'm only going on the information you've given me. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I can't be relied upon. I don't do any fucking research. <laughs> That's pretty sad. 305 bodies, and that implies that most of them haven't been removed. No, they can't remove them because they've fallen down into glaciers and off rock faces. Or they just drop dead by the side of the path and you have to walk past them. Yeah, but, I mean, let's face it, you're almost dead yourself as you're walking up to the summit. Are you going to stop and pick up a dead body? Maybe, oh, yeah. That's why you will never see the top of Everest. I'm not that interested, actually. Which is why you'll probably live longer than most of these idiots who want to see the top of Everest. Yes, exactly. I, I've already done better than 40. I'm already living better than uh, Maurice <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> Anyway, that's it for this episode. If you'd like to make a comment on our Twitter or our Instagram, send us an email. You can do all those things from our fabulous brand shiny new website at strangestuffpodcast.com where you're more than welcome to join us and leave us a message. I have a suggestion. What's that? You do more research. Uh, yeah, that's not going to wash. <laughs> <laughs> I spent all day yesterday making up this dodgy website. <laughs> That's enough research for me. Well, until next time then. Yep. So until the next episode, thank you all for listening, both of you. And <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>